This is another lovely day the Lord has made. This is In The Moment. I'm your host, Reverend Ricky Allen Jr. Thanking you as always for tuning in for another time to worship the Lord with us as we are in your homes, in your vehicles, if you're on the podcast. But whatever you are, whatever you're doing, I just pray that you're keeping the Lord in mind. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But you're still getting up. You're still motivated and you're still making it happen for the kingdom and God bless you. May heaven smile upon you. And we are continuously praying for you. And as a matter of fact, we're going to be doing that this morning for a few people. So let's get started, shall we? Our morning scripture comes from 1 John 2.27. 1 John 2.27, which reads, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Amen. And as we said, we are always praying for you. If you need prayer, go to our YouTube channel, go to our Facebook page, go to our link page that has all the information you'll find about the show, a little bit about me and the family, and what we're trying to do for the kingdom, what God has called us to do for the kingdom. You know, so because prayer is important. I want y'all to understand that prayer is important. It's not just to make you feel good. We're communicating with the Lord the things of this earth that we want the Lord to intervene in, that we need him to intervene in. And right now we're gonna pray for two people. We got Jennifer from YouTube who has uh, been asking about uh, keeping her faith in place when tested. We got to uh, pray for Robert Houghton from Facebook who's asking for prayers to stay healthy uh, mentally. He is a veteran. I'm a veteran, so I can definitely relate to that. And to all the veterans out there who are dealing with any kind of mental stress or mental illness, we are praying for you. I deployed like you deployed. I came back like you came back. So I know the trials and tribulations of uh, reacclimating to the civilian world and getting back into family and marriages and kids and bills and things of that nature. And so I know many of you have had a hard time with that. So we're praying for you as well, right alongside Robert. Uh, we just thank God for these two people who have stepped forward asking for prayer, and especially in a world that has lost its way. So uh, let us go to prayer and let's think on these things we've been talking about. Dear Jesus, we come before you today with heavy hearts, lifting our friends Jennifer and Robert in prayer. We know that life can be full of trials and challenges, but we trust that you are with us always, guiding us through every difficult moment. Lord, we ask you that you give Jennifer the strength and courage she needs to keep her faith strong, even when it's tested. Help her to hold on to your promises and to trust in your unfailing love. May she feel your presence and your peace surrounding her, giving her hope and comfort in the midst of any hardship. We also pray for Robert, a brave veteran who has served our country with honor and distinction like so many veterans out there, Lord. Lord, we ask you to keep him mentally healthy. Keep them all mentally healthy and help 
Him, along with all the veterans, find support and resources they need to cope with any mental health challenges he may face that so many face in this country. Lord, you are a righteous God, and we know you see our brave men and women coming back from the war front, defending this country, going through so many things. And we ask you, Lord, right now, we just ask you to be with them in the process. Be with them. Put your put your hands around them and let them know they're loved. May they feel the power of your grace and the peace that surpasses all understanding. We thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness, and your love, and we trust that you will answer our prayers according to your will. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We pray God is going to bless you with a mighty message and hope to support you in your daily walk with Jesus Christ. Email us at yourmomentministries at gmail.com with your praise and prayer requests. Help support this ministry through your cash app, dollar sign, your moment. We appreciate your continued prayers and support. All right, so we're back and our topic today is, we are all in this together. We are all in this together. What do I mean by that? What I mean is, we're gonna answer two questions today, and that is, what are my obligations as a Christian? And what role does my church play in my life as a Christian? And I just summed that up as saying, look, we're all in this together. Let's, let's start there. <laughs> let's start there. Our text comes from Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Matthew 22, 36 through 40, which reads as follows. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let us pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you to block out all the distractions upon the sound of my voice for those who are listening, for those who are watching. I ask you, Lord, to help us dial in and be truly focused on the words you've given us today. I ask you, Lord, to reach someone with this message. We ask you, Lord, to help us be effective in understanding the reading of your word, the understanding of your word, and help us apply it to our lives, especially in a world that has lost its way. These and all things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are all in this together. Have you ever thought about that? Individually, as Christians, we have obligations. Uh, together, as a church body, we have obligations. So, yes, we're all, in, we're all in this together. No matter how you cut it, no matter how you look at it, that's just what it is, isn't it? An obligation. What, what is an obligation, by the way? An obligation is a moral or legal duty to do something or to refrain from doing something. It also means it's something one is bound to. They're bound to do it. It's a duty or responsibility. Obligation can be compared to a plant that requires care and attention. 
just as a plant needs watering, sunlight, and nutrients to thrive, an obligation needs our attention. If we're not obligated, none of this stuff happens. The obligation needs our attention, the effort, and the resources to be fulfilled. In other words, if you're not bound to the duties to water the plant, make sure the plant is in sunlight to thrive and provide the nutrients the plant needs, it will eventually wither and die. But by giving it the proper care and attention, the plant, as well as our obligation, by the way, can grow and flourish. However, fulfilling obligations can be difficult at times, I'm sure we all have been there, and require sacrifice. Just as a plant may need to be pruned and repotted to reach its full potential, some pruning may be needed in order for pieces of our lives to regenerate and grow back stronger. Repotting your life may be needed if your spiritual roots in Christ have no space to grow. It's not all easy. There is work. But just as the rewards of a thriving plant are worth the effort, the rewards of fulfilling our obligations are also worth the sacrifice. Because we're fulfilling our obligation to God through Christ Jesus via the Holy Spirit. And just like how a well-cared-for plant can beautify a space, when we fulfill our obligations to God, we too can bring positive outcomes to our lives and the lives of those around us, beautifying and changing the outlook of the environment and the culture of the space. To be clear, our obligation is not defined as I am going to do good things so I can get into heaven. Our statement of obligation begins with because of what Jesus Christ has done for me through his birth, death on the cross and resurrection so that I along with everyone who believes in him may not perish but have everlasting life. The things I do on this earth, the things that I say on this earth is in direct response to an ever-loving and everlasting and gracious God. My response will be seen in my walk, in my talk, in how I respond to conflict, in how I pray, when I pray, and what I pray for. The world will be able to point at me in a crowd and say, I don't know about the rest of these people, but that person right there, I know is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're obligated to Jesus because he was obligated to us. Time and time again, we hear Jesus speaking on his obligations to the Father to do what he had came to do to deal with the issue of sin in humanity. Matthew 16, 21 from that time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. Matthew 17, 22 says, And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, verse 23 as well, and the third day he shall be raised again. 
Matthew 20, 17 through 19 says, And Jesus going up into going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. And because he fulfilled what was commanded by God to save us from our sinful ways and from God's wrath, we have an advocate, a high priest in heaven that understands us in both spiritual and in the way of experience here on earth. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So now that we know what obligation is and how it connects to our lives, to Jesus Christ, the next two questions are what are my obligations as a Christian and what is my church's obligation to me? Because we're all in this together. Because without Christ's obligation to the Father, there are no Christians. There's no church because both are created by Christ. So the short answer is this. Our obligation as Christians and as a church body is to fulfill God's commands and live according to his will. Now I'm sure you've heard that. If you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior over your life, then you are obligated to fulfill God's commands and live according to his will and his will only. And with this in mind, we turn to Matthew 22, 36 to 40. We just read that. And this should not be something that is difficult. You're the one that said you trust the Lord Jesus Christ. You're the one that says that he is Lord over your life and everything that you touch and everybody that you know that's connected to you. You're the one that says this. If that is the case, this is common sense. So, we're at Matthew 22, 36-40. That's where we're going to find the answers to our two questions. But here's the situation. The Pharisees and the Sadducees have been trying to entangle Jesus Christ in his words. They were asking him a variety of questions and trying to catch him in a mistake. Jesus is winning. Pharisees tried first. They lost. The Sadducees tried next. They lost. Together, they're zero and two against Jesus. And now they've gathered, and one of them in the scripture says was a lawyer, and he asked the question we see in verse 36. And it's in the answer of Christ we find the obligations for us as believers and the church body in their connection to us as well. The first obligation is that what we do as believers in Jesus Christ and what we do as a body of Christ, a.k.a. the church, should be one and the same. What we do as believers in Jesus Christ and what we do as the body of Christ, also known as a church, should be one and the same. 
We are obligated as Christians and as a body, as a church body, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. In other words, you can't come to church on Sunday praising the Lord and on Monday you having breakfast with Satan. It doesn't work that way. So if Jesus is operating in obligation to the Father, we should be obligated to operate with Jesus in our devotion and duty to the Son because the Father has given everything to the Son and that includes us. You cannot get to God without going through Christ. That's why when people say, well, I believe in God, I always ask, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Because God has given everything to Jesus. There's a whole world out there that uh, worships this generalized God that does not involve Jesus. Don't be afraid to ask the question. It's a very important question, by the way. Don't be afraid of that because Jesus needs you to ask the question. It's not a rude question. If they believe in the God that you serve, then it's a very easy question to answer, is it not? I would think it is. Let us continue. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy mind and strength means to have a deep and genuine devotion to God that encompasses every aspect of your being. The next obligation is what we do as believers in Jesus Christ and what we do as a church, the body of Christ, should be experienced by those around us. Notice that he goes from what we do internally as individuals and as a church body to what we do with that externally. What I mean is the love, the fellowship, the grace, forgiveness, kindness, blessings should be exposed to the world. Our neighbors, in a way, they too would want to come and know God. If you know your neighbor or if you don't know your neighbor, it doesn't matter. If you love your neighbor as you love yourself, your neighbor will want to know more about why you give them grace, why you care for their concerns, why you do what you do and why you do it even when they don't even believe nor serve the God you serve and believe in. They're going to want to know why you put their trash out on the corner when you don't even know them. They're gonna to wanna to know why you knocked on the door and said, hey, you got a package on your door, I didn't want anybody to steal it, I'm thinking about you. They're gonna to wanna to know why and where does that character, that nature come from? When we love our neighbors as ourselves, and our neighbors is not just the folks that live around us, our neighbors are those who are not in the house of God, those who don't believe those who live various lifestyles that are outside of the will of God and who are still in sin, by the way. Those are your neighbors. The problem today is we got a lot of people representing Christianity as a functional solution to living a better life, and that's because they are part of the Christian culture but not a part of Christ. They are presenting Christianity as a great way to live, a great way to have good friends and a great community and 
all the stuff and things and coffee and donuts and all that stuff, but they're not presenting the gospel, the call to repentance, the call to salvation. They're not presenting the spiritual things. These are the things that get you into heaven, not whether or not you hung out in the lobby and watched a good message on the big screen eating your coffee and donuts. But that's because they're part of the Christian culture, though. In other words, you might be on the front porch of the house of God, but that doesn't mean you're in the house of God. And that's a hard pill to swallow for many people because they're thinking, well, I'm doing all these great things. I'm going and I'm participating. And I'm, you may be a part of the culture of Christianity all the functional aspects. But my question to you today is, are you a part of the spiritual connection of Jesus Christ? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered your all to Jesus? Because that, my friend, is where the realness kicks in. That is where you figure out where you are in the house of God, if you're even in the house any at all. Like I just said, being on the property and being in the house are two different statuses, very different. Otherwise, you're just trespassing. Which leads us to our final obligation, and that is understanding that everything that we do begins with loving God completely and loving our neighbors as ourselves. What do you mean by that? What Jesus is saying is everything of the law, the Ten Commandments, everything the prophets were told and told the masses were connected to these two commandments right here. Their obligation to God and to the people were connected back to these two commandments. And it makes sense. There's nothing you can do in the kingdom of God if you don't serve the king, if you don't love the king. And if you did it for the world, if you cared for the poor, you fed the hungry, you clothed the naked, your deeds will be void because you don't know the Lord thy God, and because you don't know him, you are still separated from heaven. You can do all the great stuff and things you want, but if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself, they're just things you're doing for this world, you're serving the world. No matter how great it looks, it's not going to count because it's not in response to the God that you serve, the God that you love, the God you've given your life over to via Christ Jesus. You're doing it because you're thinking, I don't need to do that to live a healthy and successful life. That may be true if you have chosen that path, but you've also chosen separation from the Lord Jesus Christ, separation from heaven, separation from those friends and family that you love and care for that will be in glory and will not see you there because of the choices you made down here. Jesus has given everyone who accept him as Lord and Savior, the ability to understand this. And maybe you need that ability. You can, do all the, you can do all the good deeds you desire and miss heaven by a long shot because you never repented of your sinful nature and you never accepted 
Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we've all been given the ability to understand who God is, who Jesus is. It's natural ability. And it's through our lives, because of our lives, people realize that life doesn't stop at death. There is more to this world than what we're seeing right now. For those who have given their life to Christ, this is the hope that we have, that when we die, we wake back up in the hands of Jesus Christ. This hope of being in eternity with Jesus and to live in an unspeakable peace and in an undying love with the Father. This is why Jesus says that we're the light of the world in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. He goes on to say, a city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and give it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus has put the light of the life with him in you to share with the world, and it's too big to hide. And he put it there for a purpose, and that is to provide light to all those around you. So let your light shine and let them see the works you're doing for the kingdom so that they may repent and be baptized and know Jesus for themselves. David said in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed the man that trusted in him. If we want people to see the Lord is good, if we want people to trust in the Lord, then they need to see through our experience with the Lord in our goods and in our bads that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. If people cannot and do not experience the love of God around us through how we speak and how we act, we will make our obligations to God void. They'll be void. And that means we're not doing what is commanded by God to do for the glorification of his kingdom. Yelling at a person and telling them that their lifestyle, their adultery, the witchcraft, the sorcery, whatever the sin is, is going to take them to hell they're not going to respond to that. If you want to be effective for God's kingdom in 2023, then become a living version of God's word through your behavior. Because that's what people see first. This is for the Christian and for the church. If we're going to change the culture of what's out there, we got to make sure that what's out there is not in here. So that when they come in here, they don't act like they're out there because what's out there are various pathways to hell. But what's in here is one way to glory, and that is through Jesus Christ. And they need to see that without the distractions. What it means is that we're going to have to love the entire Bible, the entire word of God, just as Jesus did because his words come from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6.5, which says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. In regards to loving thy neighbor, he quotes the end part of Leviticus 19.18, which reads, In whole, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. 
Jesus took Old Testament theology, made it new theology for the sake of the kingdom and his people. We are obligated to these commands to follow them to form with no amendments if we're going to say we follow Jesus Christ. Jesus is quoting God's word because he is obligated to the Father for all things eternal regarding us. And that means God's word is alive and well because, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And maybe you're out there right now you don't know that. Maybe you're out there and you want to be obligated. You need to be obligated. You have a desire to be obligated. And you just don't know where to start. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach out to us. Contact us via the information provided earlier in the show and we will email you, we will pray with you to help you get on that road to understanding your obligations as a Christian and to understanding your relationship with your church. A lot of folks don't understand. They go and they go and they go, but they don't understand. And if there's anything we can do to help you, we just want to reach out and let you know we're praying right alongside you as well as your church body. So until next week, may God bless you. May heaven smile upon you. And God willing, we'll see you again at that time. You take care.